Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Marie Ryan. How are you today? I'm great, Dan. How about you? We're doing great well. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am the CEO and founder of Advancing Wellness. I am a workplace well-being strategist, an international speaker, and an award-winning author. Congratulations. That's a great background. And you are also one of the few people who I've spoken to in my 70 podcasts who's written a business fable book or a parable book. You know, uh, our audience members may not be familiar with that term, but if they read The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, I think everyone's read that book, or The Mm One-Minute Manager, or The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, or Who Moved My Cheese, that's what we call a business parable book or a business fable book. And you wrote one. So let's dive deep into that, because I know a lot of my clients, in fact, I'm working with one now who is writing a business parable book, and I know we can all benefit from your knowledge. So first of all, tell us, why did you decide on a parable instead of a thought leadership book in this traditional uh, Q&A kind of format style? I love this question because it, it seems I didn't think at the time that I was writing this that it was all that unusual, but apparently it is. <laughs> The reason I chose to write this in the parable format was I come from a speaking background. So as a speaker, one of the key things that we can do to engage an audience is to tell a story. And I just felt that that was what my book really needed to be was a story. You know, I I read a lot. I read a lot of nonfiction. And, you know, when I get into a story, I am just so enthralled with that story. I can't wait to see what the twists and turns will be and how it's going to resolve. And I thought, well, why can't a business book be this way as well? And you did mention some of the very well-known you know, books, uh, Who Moved My Cheese or I Iceberg, or Iceberg is Melting and you know those kinds of books that are truly memorable. And I thought this would be a great way to deliver the message that I want to give to my audience. What was your message? My message is about creating workplaces where both the business and the people thrive. In many ways, we have businesses that are focused on one thing, and that is profit. You've got to make the numbers. You've got to meet the profit goals. And that doesn't always take into consideration the needs of the people. And after all, we know that businesses cannot achieve their goals, and they certainly can't achieve their profit goals without their people. So it's really important for us to be able to take care of the people who help us achieve those goals and give them a workplace that is both uh, thriving for the business's perspective, but also helping the people thrive. Great message. So how did you create your story? Well, this is kind of interesting because I had done a lot of research. I knew that that I was going to write a book for a long time, and it was just a matter of, you know, the right time and the the right amount of available time in my work day to be able to fit this in. And 
prior to having that time available, I started doing some research. I interviewed about 20 CEOs and I asked them what made, what was the the elements or the characteristics of a high performing organization. And I didn't specifically ask how that tied to the well-being of the people. I just wanted their viewpoints about what it takes to create a high-performing organization. So through that research, I was able to uncover really some nuggets that were important in terms of the framework that I wanted to use in the book. But then I had to sit down and start writing the book. And I had been thinking for a long time about how how I was going to really do that. What was going to be the, you know, was I just going to tell the story about a person in a workplace? You know, this is kind of the approach that um, Patrick Lencione takes. You know, and you mentioned the, you know, five dysfunctions of a team. He's got a lot of uh, books he writes in this format. And he kind of just tells a story about people in a workplace. And I thought, no, I'm not sure that's going to work for me. And then I was attending an event in Washington, D.C. I was in the Georgetown area in Washington, and I was out for my morning walk. And as I walked by some shops in Georgetown, I saw a bee decal in the window, like a honeybee kind of thing. And I thought, bees, bees. What if I used the hive, a beehive, as a metaphor for the workplace? And I kept thinking about that. And then I thought, I really don't know anything about bees, so I'm going to have to do some homework here if I'm going to make this legit. And I decided that that was going to be the metaphor. And, it, and you know, bees are working in a work in a hive. You know, they're the worker bees. And they're the ones that make it happen. And so I started by just beginning the research on bees and beehives and whether that was going to be an appropriate metaphor and it turns out it's a pretty good metaphor for the workplace i took some liberties with making you know the queen bee the ceo and things like that which in reality aren't true because it's not a hierarchical structure but it gave me the framework and and then i was able to start to introduce the characters so it's set in two beehives there's an alive hive and a dive hive. So you can <laughs> sort of get the sense of where the, you know, which place you might want to work. Have you ever worked, Dan, in a place where you just didn't feel cared for or, you, you know, the management didn't communicate or it was all about the numbers or all about the profit? Have you ever worked in a place like that? I assume that's not a rhetorical question. Of course. Right. Everyone has worked in a place like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the So the dive hive was actually pretty easy to create because whenever I started telling people about, you know, I'm writing this book and, you know, it's about these two different hives and, you know, instantly people would tell me about their worst boss story. So it was really easy to come up with the things that I needed for the dive hive. But the uh, book is kind of narrated by a a retired CEO and his successor, um, a woman so the male was the retired CEO and then a, a woman who is succeeds him in that position and how she's struggling with some things. And he tells through the story of the beehives, um, he's, he's doing beekeeping in his retirement. So he acts as the narrator between the chapters in the alive hive and the dive hive. 
What was it? What, I guess it would be a good idea if we knew the name of the book, because I'm sure it's a killer. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not a killer bee, please. <laughs> it is The Thriving Hive, How People-Centric Workplaces Ignite Engagement and Fuel Results. Okay, great. So I'm, I'm sure people are saying, like, what is the name of this book? I have to read this because it's so fascinating. Uh, so we'd be remiss in not saying it up front. So, cool. Um, I'm wondering, did you pattern your book after these other parables? It seems like the other books seem to have, well, they seem to go in two directions. And I could be wrong. It could be 20 different directions. Um, one shows there, there, maybe there are five teaching points. So they show the mentor going through five situations where the person meets five of those people who are in five of those situations and they learn all about that and they come away with wisdom. The other with the, uh, I can never pronounce his name, uh, the, the Patrick Lincion, um, mm-hmm. the five dysfunction of the team. That was an incredible novel, so to speak. There were characters, there were twists, there were plot turns. The person who you thought was going to get fired didn't get fired. And then she did. Uh, but you were sure she was going to get fired first, but he pulled the rug out from under you and like, no, she's looks like she's getting on board with this philosophy. And then she really didn't fit in at all. Um, I'm wondering, which approach did you take and why? I read a lot of parables in mm-hmm. my research for just that reason, because there are different approaches. And one of the things that's clear in a parable is that there always seems to be a guide or a sage, that person who's guiding the protagonist through their situation. And in my case, that was the retired CEO. And what I, I wasn't quite as explicit about here's the five lesson kind of thing. I didn't feel like the way my story was going to unfold with the two hives, uh, that that was going to quite work for me. Really what I did is, is more of this compare and contrast kind of thing where the dive hive is very black and white, we're not taking care of our people. We're using them up, killing them quite literally, and, you know, just moving on and getting more workers. So very dramatic black and white kind of approach, whereas the alive hive is much more nurturing and caring and team oriented and good communication. And at one point in the book, they both hives face a catastrophe. So you have to have that story arc that is going to you know, give the catastrophe. Something's going wrong. And how each of them in their different ways approaches this catastrophic situation. Not unlike what we're dealing with today. You know, we have catastrophic you know, circumstances surrounding us. So how did they approach this and why one approach perhaps was a little better or more effective in dealing with the catastrophe than the other approach. Great. You talked about the story arc. Did you start with an outline or note cards, or what was your process for organizing all the material? I did start with an outline, and that gave me kind of a loose structure. I will say that I was working with a coach, which I found to be very helpful since I had no experience in writing a book and found that it was really helpful to have an outside viewpoint throughout the, the process. It was truly invaluable you know, to be able to have someone who could give me that feedback and say, well, what about this? Or, And it wasn't so much um, she did editing for me as well, but 
it wasn't so much about the editing as much as it was the general direction of things, you know, like, all right, we, we got to a certain point and then we said, okay, now this is, this is where we need the catastrophe to, you know, un- unfold. So it was helpful to have, you know, that kind of, of guidance, but I would say it was really more of a loose outline. And I will tell you that there are some days I would sit down and I wasn't sure exactly where things were going to go and I would start writing and it would just kind of go there and it would come out and I'd go, Hey, you know, that's pretty good. And then I'd go for a walk and I'd come back and it would get even better. And, you know, taking breaks through the writing process was also really helpful. Yeah. I actually wrote, uh, I had a, I I ghost wrote a book with a doctor or co-wrote a book with a doctor uh, about telemedicine and he liked it so much. We wrote another book about Medicare Advantage, you know, two books that would normally be dry as anything. In fact, his first mm-hmm. outlines to me were really frequently asked question files. And he said, and I said, you know, this isn't going to work because people could go on the internet and read the, the same answers to these questions on any number of sites. And he said, what can we do? And I said, well, why don't we turn these into a business parable book? And he said, great. So we did the first one on telemedicine where this woman lost her health insurance and had to find new providers and found this mm-hmm. telemedicine service and went through all the ups and downs and ins and outs and such like that. Hint to everyone watching. If you use telemedicine, be sure you're wearing clothes. (laughs) It's amazing how many people don't. And if you are wearing clothes, be sure there isn't a bong in the background or any other kind of incriminating or illegal uh, device (laughs) material in your background. So we had a lot of fun writing that book. We liked it so much that we went to, I said, you know, if we put a chase scene in here, we'd have a thriller. So I said, great, for my next book, let's let's do that. So we had Big Bad Insurance Company as the villain and chasing and all sorts of wonderful things. And it's true. I started with an outline, which is basically his key points. Like, we want to make sure people know these five or ten things about this subject. And I had to create scenarios like, well, how would we know there's a bong in the background? Because our character, our lead character, is this nice person that everyone's going to identify with. Well, she has an evil brother who's on drugs. Okay, great. He becomes the bad guy, like your bad hive, where you yeah. know he's the one who's trying to get oxy from the doctor you know? <laughs> and has the bong in the background and all this bad stuff happening. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So I love yeah. that. You know, I have to say that it was really a very fun process for me because I, I, I didn't exactly know where it was all going to go. And how it was going to end up, and it was it was just really fun to write. Yeah, I found the same thing. It was it was a lot of fun. You know, one of the questions that I've seen in some of these books is that the parable itself stands on its own. Here are the five things you see: the mentor and the sage walk this person through, and at the end of each chapter, they hammer the home like, "Do this, don't do that," and it's pretty self evident. There are some other books where they tell the story, and at the end of the story, they change tone entirely and Mm. go into scientific mode. Like, here's the research behind why this improves employee engagement, and here's a study from Harvard and other citations. I'm wondering, did your book have that as well, and what are your thoughts about that? I didn't do that. I know Patrick Lencione does that in some of his books, and I decided not to do that. And actually, the only sort of way I provided any tools like that was at certain points in the book, after a chapter that had a key point in it, 
I would ask reflection questions. So there was a stop, you know, sort of this stop and think about what you just read. How do you reflect on what that experience was and how do you think this happens in your world kinds of questions. So I did not. I chose not to to do the scientific, you know, aspect or the business kind of reference type piece. Didn't want to do it. Right. There's no right or wrong. I'm just curious why you decided to do that. Yeah, I just I just felt like the story stood on its own. Cool. That's perfectly fine. You know, I heard Chip Bell speak one time at a uh, at an Alan Weiss conference. He wrote a book about customer service, and it was very small. Uh, it was almost almost like this. I'm holding up this book. It's like four four, four, four by five. You know, an odd shape, uh, thick paper, lots of pictures, short stories poems. Um, and I asked him, is this the future of books? And he said, yeah, for my audience, I want to talk to frontline customer service personnel. They don't want to read 16 pages of scientific research about something. They just want to know how to handle an upset customer and remember what to do. And we do that through story or a poem or a cartoon. And we uh, people learn differently. So uh, there's a lot to be said there. Um, tell me, well, what kind of reaction have you gotten from your readers who are used to reading more technical, dry, traditional books as opposed to this cool kind of fable story? I did get very positive feedback, and uh, people really felt like they could relate to the characters. They felt like it, the book drew them in in a way that they wanted to just keep going and find out what was going to happen next and how was it going to unfold so I got really good feedback on it. And then um, in 2019, I won a National Business Book Award for this book. Oh, cool. Congratulations. That's excellent. Thank you. So, yes, very exciting. So yeah. someone besides my mother liked it. <laughs> yeah. So our audience are mostly speakers, consultants, coaches, uh, entrepreneurs who are looking for to write a book that promotes their businesses. Do you think a business parable book is the kind of book that will help them build their businesses? I absolutely believe that it is. I, I believe that anytime you tell a story, and especially, you know, if you said you've got speakers in your audience, anytime we tell a story where we can bring those elements of emotion into it, where we're really getting to a point where people feeling they're connecting to that story through that emotion, I believe that's going to be a powerful way to connect to your audience. And if we can do that in our writing as well as our speaking, I think it's really important to do. Cool. I agree completely. Um, so if someone were thinking about, gee, do I write a, a traditional book that I've read since college about uh, the 10 ways to do something, or do I go in the direction of who moved my cheese? Um, what do you think they, what advice would you give them? I'd say go for it, go for the parable format. First off, they're shorter books. You know, mm -hmm. parables tend to be books that are, you know, not 400 pages long. They're going to be fairly short. And, you know, you know, if you outline what your key messages are and then can build a you know, powerful story around those key messages, and again, you've got lots of latitude in the way you can build the story. You know, you can have villains and you can have the protagonist, you know, encounter the, 
the crisis situation and have to overcome that crisis and you know all of the things that you would do in traditional story or you know you know movie kinds of things right there's there's a whole pattern to how do you do that and i would say try it you know it's it's worth the effort to try and see if it's going to be meaningful and if it's a story that people can relate to Fantastic. I've learned so much. I'm sure everyone listening has as well. We can't wait to read your exciting book as well and find out how to have happy bees instead of dead bees. So <laughs> tell us, Marie, how can, who is your uh, ideal client and how can they get in touch with you? The work that I do as a workplace well-being strategist is generally with corporations who want to create a workplace where their people thrive. And I generally work with the human resource team, senior human resource professionals in those corporations. I'm also a speaker. I speak on a variety of topics related to well-being in the workplace. So all of this is, is workplace related. And I'm, you know, my information is available on my website at advwellness.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And my book is available on Amazon in paperback, uh, ebook and also available on Audible. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.